Hey, everybody. Welcome to Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and I'm so happy you're here with us. If you're just joining for the first time, I am a special needs mom, a special needs attorney, and a best-selling author. So please grab your coffee. And if you're like me, you might be listening in your car. I spent a lot of time in the car in my day. And please join us for some important discussions to help you thrive in this complex special needs world. Each week, we're going to chat with parents and experts, and sometimes parents who are experts, to offer compassionate advice for all stages of your life. These are the conversations you would have with your best friend if your best friend was an expert like me. Let's go. Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. We have a really fun show for you today. We are talking college. Yay! So today, my guest is Allie Ulrich. Hopefully, I said your last name right. Um, And we're talking about one of my favorite organizations, Easter Seals, which has a great program called the College Navigator. And this program, I didn't even know about. I had actually been on a board for, um, not the board, but a board for AT Technology um, Services uh, quite a while ago when my daughter was much younger um, before she passed away. And that happened to be a passion of mine because she used a lot of technology um, to get around. And so um, I was part of Easter Seals and uh, really enjoyed being part of that group and part of, you know, all of the projects and the creativity that was going on there. So when I found out about this, I absolutely needed to know more about it. So welcome to the program, Allie. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Annette. I'm excited to be here and talk to you. So I know that this is a Massachusetts organization and a Massachusetts program. However, there is so much to learn here for everybody. And it's such an important person-centered planning topic that I really wanted to talk about it on the show. And hopefully we can give tips to everybody for being able to do some college planning and some college outreach for all of our students of any age with disabilities. So Let's just start by, tell us about the program. Tell us what it does. So our College Navigator program, we have staff uh, that work one-on-one with students of any age with any disability um, who are going to college. So they meet with their College Navigator anywhere from once a week to five times a week. Um, Whatever kind of their needs are, we can meet that. Um, And they work on a variety of different things. So it's really based on what the students' needs are, what they want to work on improving, um, and we tailor it to their strengths. So some of the biggest topics that we tackle are executive functioning skills. So time management, organization, um, breaking down really big assignments into smaller, more manageable pieces. Um, So you're not writing that 20-page paper the night before it's due, which, you know, we've all done, but is definitely not ideal. breaking that down, figuring out when in your week you're going to fit that in, especially if you have other responsibilities like work or other meetings or activities that you're involved in. 
Um, we help with self-advocacy skills so we can practice scripting um, or writing emails with students if they need to reach out to disability services or a professor or even classmates if they're working on a group project. We can have them, help them practice those conversations. We can help them write emails. Um, we help a lot with email management because that's one of the main ways that colleges communicate with students these days. And unlike yeah. high school, parents aren't CC'd on all the emails that right. a student gets. So it's really on them to, to monitor those and make sure that they're responding and, and doing what needs to be done. Um, we also help connect them with resources both on campus, such as disability services, career services, tutoring services, counseling services, as well as different resources in the community. Um, we might realize that they might need other services that Easter Seals can provide. We have youth programs, we have mentoring programs, we have accessible martial arts, or as you mentioned, our assistive technology services are definitely another huge thing. So we have an assistive technology regional center where people can borrow assistive technology for a month for free to try it out. We have assistive technology loan programs that can help you get assistive technology permanently. Um, we help a lot with social skills as well. So do they want to join a club at college? Do they want to find other social opportunities in the community? Do they need practice just how do I start a conversation with someone new, practicing those kinds of skills? Um, so really it's, it's tailored to whatever the student wants to work on. We really get to know them through our intake process, through some questionnaires um, and through just talking with them. And then we help them create an action plan. So that action plan kind of outlines what their goals are, what they wanna work on and how we can best help support them in those goals. That's awesome. I had a podcast right before this one, and many of you will have listened to it with a director of uh, CIP out in Western Mass. And we talked about the fact that a lot of students don't get a great transition between high school or whatever their high school program, you know, what stands for their high school program is and college or whatever college um, classes they're taking and they're, you know, the, the shift is so stark and extreme for them. So there's no graduation. There's no gradual um, movement towards that. It's, you know, this completely supported program to zero support. So I can see where this would be so amazingly helpful and could you know, be sort of faded away as a student gains skills. And even though they should have gotten this in high school in their transition years, I find that that doesn't always happen, not in the way that we would like it to. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, students can decide how long they need this support. So we've had some students that after a year really felt like, wow, I've gained all these skills and I don't really need your support anymore. We've had other students who continued to need our support throughout the years of college, but maybe instead of meeting five times a week, then they were meeting four or three times a week and then twice a week and then once a week. So whether or not we stay for however many years, we can still kind of fade that support as much as we're able to. We're very much a teaching model. So we don't do anything for our students. We do everything with our students. So they learn, how do I research this topic? How do I find the resources available? How can I do this? on my own eventually um, right. because 
the skills that we're teaching them are skills that not only are important for being successful in college, but the whole goal of college generally is to then get a job. And these are skills that you also need to be successful at work. And as we talked about in that last podcast, so much of college learning happens outside of the classroom. And you're quite clear that in this program, you are not providing subject matter tutoring. It's not a tutoring program. It is all about acquiring skills. Yep. Yeah, it'd be impossible for us to be experts in all of the things that students go to school for, especially we have students who are brilliant. They're studying engineering. You definitely don't want me tutoring you in engineering. Um, but no, we want to build these skills. We want, we want to teach them very much so that they can be more independent. So where are you holding these services? We talked about like, you know, classroom versus library versus virtual, you know, talk to me about that. Where are students getting support from you? So students have an option of in-person or virtual services if they're in the state of Massachusetts. We have staff most places in Massachusetts. We don't quite cover the whole state yet, but um, in general, they have that option. If they choose the virtual option, it's held over Zoom. Um, They can choose a hybrid. So sometimes they may want to meet over Zoom and sometimes meet in person. Um, We meet all the students on campus. So we're going to where they already have to go. Um, and we're going to the place where those resources exist. So do we need to walk over together and talk to disability services? Do we need to walk to your professor's office hours? Um, Another thing we can help with that I didn't mention earlier is kind of navigating campus. We have students who, you know, have maybe only been online the past couple semesters due to COVID, and now they're going back to an in-person learning environment, and they're like, I don't know where to find anything. How do I find my way around, especially larger campuses? How do I find my way around? If there's a, you know, trolley system that gets you from one campus to another, how do I figure that out? Where do I find my classrooms? Where do I find the cafeteria or disability services or tutoring? Um, So we're on campus with them because that's the most effective way to get these supports in place for them. That is so important. So many students with an executive function disability really struggle with trying to get from here to there and to figure out how to do it in a set amount of time. Um, It's really a challenge. So are you going into the actual classroom with students? Not traditionally. Um, We have, and it's been on a very limited case-by-case basis, so I don't say we never do it, but in general, there has to be a reason for us to be in there that's not, we're not note takers, we're not, you know, tutors. So, you know, if if it's, you know, someone has a lot of anxiety with a brand new class and they just need someone maybe to go with them once or twice, we could probably arrange that. It is much more difficult, I will say these days, because of COVID and all of the regulations on college campuses around that. Um, But we don't want, the reason we don't generally go into classes classrooms with students is we want to make sure that they can be successful. And so if you can't go to class, if your college navigator is not there, well, at some point, you know, they have to take a vacation (laughs) throughout the year. Um, They can't work, you know, 365 days a year. So um, we want them to be able to be successful in that classroom. If they need a little bit of support with that, we can provide that. Um, 
and we have had certain circumstances in the past where we we did go to classrooms with people. So it's not 100% off the table, um, but I would say it's definitely not something we generally do. So then are you assigning like one navigator to one student? It's a one-to-one kind of situation or are you going to be supported by a team of people? Nope, you have one navigator. So your navigator, we kind of do it by region. So they're able to kind of get to the the campuses in their region. Um, And you meet with that same person. We ask for a minimum of a one-year commitment when we're hiring staff so that, you know, at no point in the middle of the school year are you having to meet with a brand new person who you never know. Um, The only exception to that when you would be offered to meet with someone different would be if our staff is on vacation or is unexpectedly sick, we offer the option um, instead of just not having services for that week or that day that you can meet with another college navigator or myself um, in in place of your normal college navigator. But in general, you're meeting with the same person so that you can feel comfortable with them. You don't have to tell the same things over and over. You're, you know, they know what happened last week. They know what we need to follow up with with this professor or what happened um, in this class. So it you build that relationship. And I think that's really important to our program is our staff have to build that rapport with students so that students trust them and that they want to tell them, I'm struggling with this or I need help with that. And that can take time to build. Allie, where are you finding these people and what kind of credentials do they have to be able to do this job? So all of our staff have either a bachelor's degree or a master's degree. Um, We want to know that our staff themselves can successfully navigate college um, before we're hiring them. Um, They come from a variety of backgrounds. So we have social workers. We have certified rehab counselors. We have people who've studied, you know, more sociology or studied education. We have former teachers. Um, and we really look for a skill set. So we look for someone who can connect with students, who can relate to students. Um, we do a lot of training when we first hire people. So mm-hmm. they're trained in many things related to serving students with disabilities, of uh, many different disabilities. We do a lot of shadowing. Um, so exist new staff members always shadow our existing staff members for at least a few weeks. Um, and then the existing staff members kind of shadow the new staff. Um, as they build their caseload as well. So there's a lot of mentoring going on. Um, I meet with all of my staff once a week, at least individually, to check in with them, see how things are going, problem solve any challenges that they're having. Um, So we've been really lucky. It did take us time to build our team. Um, We've expanded a lot in the past year and you know, we started trying to hire in July and we didn't fully have our full team hired until November. So it, it, especially in today's labor market does take time, but I'm willing to take that time to hire the right people. I don't want to just hire someone to fill a position if they're not the right person for that role. Sure. I totally agree with that. Absolutely. I find that in my own organization as well. So important to get the right fit for sure. So this is so interesting. What do you find um, is going to make that match work like really well between a student and their navigator? Because you've got a certain skill set, but then there's definitely going to be that match factor as well. 
We've been really lucky so far that in general, our staff have matched with the person that we've assigned them to. Um, I think we train our staff really well. We've taught them things about task analysis. So really looking at how a task is completed and all the little tiny steps that go into that task to be able to kind of evaluate where are they struggling. Um, we've also trained them on universal design for learning so that they're able to present information in a variety of different modalities to reach the students. Um, but we do have the option if someone isn't a perfect match and they feel like I'm not working well with this person, while that person is the physical person in your service area, if you're not working well with them, we can offer you a different staff person. Now they might not be able to be there physically in person, um, but we can offer you a different staff person. We haven't had to do that so far, um, but it's definitely an option. If, if, if you feel like this person is in the right match and I need someone different, we can try out a different staff member. That's really cool. It's, that sounds like you've had amazing success. Um, I'm just blown away. How, how long has the program been going on? So uh, I helped co-create this program in 2018. Uh, we started with one staff and one student that very first semester. Um, and we now have six full-time staff um, and almost 100 students in our program. Oh my gosh, I, I had no idea it was that big. Yeah, we've gotten, we started off with this one student. Um, we then created a pilot program with the Massachusetts State Department of Developmental Services. Uh, the first year we were allowed 10 students in the Northeast region. The second year they saw the success. So they were like, all right, we'll give you 20 students and you can expand in the Metro Boston region. Um, and then COVID hit in th that spring and everything went oh. from being all on campus to all virtual very quickly. Wow. Um, and then they said the next year, okay, you've done a great job with these virtual services as well. We'll give you 30 students and you can serve them anywhere in Massachusetts because you're providing virtual services. Um, this past July, uh, we became a permanent vendor with the Massachusetts State Department of Developmental Services. So we have a four-year contract with them to provide these services. And the program was so successful that they, when they offered us the permanent contract, they put out a RFR request for response to agencies throughout the state who could basically now kind of run a similar program um, as the program we created. Um, same, they call it college navigation. Um, but we started it and we created it and it works for us because it's, we tailored it to the strengths of our organization. Um, and it's been really exciting. We also got grant money this past year. So we are now currently providing free services to, uh, students at Greenfield Community College, Mount Wachusett Community College and Mass Bay Community College. Um, so that's a three-year grant. So this year and two more full school years, we'll, at least be able to serve students for free on those campuses. Um, hopefully, eventually, we'll get more grant money and be able to keep that going longer and expand to more colleges. Um, but we have had a lot of success. We have a 90% retention rate um, in our program. So students are staying in school. That's um, amazing. I love that. Yeah, That's it's really exciting. Um, you know, the general retention rate for students with disabilities in higher education is not great. I want to say it's somewhere in the 40% range. Um, yeah. 
I don't have that exact stat off the top of my head, but it's it's not super high. Um, and it's kind of because of what you talked about earlier. It's that kind of drop where everything kind of was done for them sort of in high school and they have this whole team to support them and then everything's up to them. If they don't go to disability services, no one even knows they have a disability at college. Um, so, you know, they need that little bit of extra support to kind of navigate those challenges. And we found that it's been really successful. And even if their parents slash guardians want to help them and do that extra for them, they're just not allowed. They're not allowed to step in. So there is no fading away of the supports. Um, it's just a complete drop off the cliff. So that's amazing. I love that 90% retention rate. Wow. So for somebody who is not going to be eligible for your grant money, who is not going to be part of DDS, so is not going to be able to come in through DDS funding, can they private pay for your program? They certainly can. And we have several private pay clients. Um, we charge $60 an hour. We bill in 15-minute increments. We really tried to make it as affordable as possible for families. Um, right now, I do have a little bit of grant money. Um, so if there's a family that really has financial difficulty and that $60 an hour is just out of reach, um, we can discuss potentially a um, you know sliding scale rate um, for families with financial need. Um, I always like to mention that ABLE account or attainable account, depending on what state you live mm -hmm. in, they're, they're called different things, um, but that money can be used to pay for our services. We are an eligible uh, service under that money. Um, we also, for Massachusetts residents, we do have a 0% interest loan program for up to $2,000 through Easter Seals. Um, and that's, it's meant for people without great credit history. A student could take one out, mom or dad or parent, guardian, whoever could take one out um, for them. And we really, our loan department works with families to really make it so, you know, maybe you're only paying $20, $25 a month. Um, and yeah, it'll take a while, obviously, to pay off $2,000 at $25 a month. But if it, that's the difference between your student dropping out of college and successfully graduating, then right. that's a really good $2,000 investment. And you're it not paying really any interest at all on it. So yeah, we really try and work with families as much as we are able to get this service to those who need them. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're nervous about the private pay option, I just encourage you to reach out. I really want to work with families as much as possible. So if somebody's listening in a different state, how can they figure out what's available to them in their state, a similar organization? You know, what should they go looking for? So I will say, first off, we can serve students out of state virtually. So we currently have a student going to school in Vermont. We have one in Connecticut. We have one in Rhode Island. Um, so if you're in another state and you think that virtual services would work for you, we could be that organization for you. Awesome. If, yes. Um, <laughs> if we're not, you know, if you feel like my student really needs someone in person, virtual services are not going to work for them. And, and I know there are students who as much as some students love virtual services, there are other students who hate virtual services. Sure. Um, they they would be the one who really needs somebody to walk the campus with them. Yep. And we've done that virtually. So we've 
had someone have us on Zoom and like kind of we've gone over maps with them ahead of time and we've walked with them on Zoom. So we have really wow. adapted as much as possible to be able to provide something similar um, virtually. Um, but if not, one, check in with the colleges that you're looking at applying for. So some colleges individually have additional services beyond just the basics of disability services. Sometimes they're available all four years. Sometimes they're just available for freshmen. Um, but definitely reach out. Even if you don't think you need additional services, I always encourage students and families when they're looking at colleges to have a meeting with disability services. Find mm -hmm. out from them what do they offer. Are there additional programs they offer? Are there certain accommodations that they don't offer? Um, get a sense of is there one disability services person for 300 students or is there mm -hmm. one disability services person for 30 students or somewhere in between? Because that's right. going to, you know, one person with 300 students can only do so much. They are trying their best. And, you know, we have partnered with community colleges for that reason. They are doing amazing work with the resources that they have. They just only have so many resources and so much time. Um, you know, our staff are able to meet with every student minimum of once a week or more if they so choose. Um, so we can do a lot more of that day-to-day -day management than sometimes the school is able to provide. But some schools have amazing disability services and they have additional programs, sometimes for free, sometimes that cost additional money that the student might get a mentor or they might get a staff person that can, they have specific programs that can meet with them more frequently. Um, right. So definitely start with your school, research there, talk to disability services, meet with them. Um, Ask your high school if they know of any organizations in the community. Sure. Um, another really good place to start to see, do you know anyone who provides support beyond high school, you know, beyond the age of 22 or whenever you graduate? Um, you can also just research other disability services organizations in your community. So wherever you're at, I mean, there are Easter Seals affiliates in most states, but we're the only one that I know of that has this specific program. Um, but they also might know of other organizations that they can refer you to. So it never hurts to reach out to the Easter Seals in your state. Um, but do some research. Look, Google do disability services organizations near me. And it does take some time. You might have to peruse mm -hmm. some websites. You might have to make some phone calls. Be persistent. You know, keep, keep trying. Keep trying to find that information and figure out the best fit for your student. Go to campus, walk around, um, you know, really investigate as much about the school and about the surrounding community as you can to see what's available for your student. Yeah, that, that's great advice. And you wanna especially be focused on transition age programs too. So any organization that has programs for transition age youth, are going to be more focused on something having to do with college or work or some combination of both or mentorship or, you know, something in that general area of expertise. So that's what you're looking for rather than a general, general kind of uh, programs. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really great point in it. Thank you. So, and, and, and actually Easter Seals has an amazing transition program 
here in Massachusetts too. So they're doing a lot of good stuff for this age range. Lots of good stuff. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any um, last kind of tips that you would love to share with our families or individuals that are listening today? So start as much as you can preparing your student early. So have them make sure they're attending their IEP meetings, make sure that they are taking some responsibility on. So, you know, simple things like not having mom or dad wake you up. Can you set an alarm? And not to say if you sleep through that alarm, mom and dad shouldn't yes. wake you up, but practicing those yes. things, practicing setting your own alarm, practicing making a phone call to make an appointment with a doctor or calling disability services as the student. I love when I get calls from students rather than parents. I will say that's maybe 10% of the calls I get, but it makes me so happy when the student themselves is the one reaching out. Um, so have your student practice those things. Maybe write a script for them if they're nervous about what to say. That's something we often do with our students. Um, have them do minor chores at home. You know, if they're living, especially if you think they might live in a dorm, they're going to have to learn how to do laundry or make their bed or, you know, start having them decide what do I want to eat today instead of it just being told to them, because that's all part of that outside of the classroom experience at college that sometimes students are overwhelmed by. Oh, my gosh, all of a sudden I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want, you know, have them start figuring out when am I going to get this as homework assignment done? Um, I think the more we can prepare our students ahead of time. And while we hope and schools are doing the best they can, it's not always happening. And so I think the more that can be done at home to kind of prepare students to be a little more independent um, really will go a long way when your student goes off to college. Oh, I wish somebody had told me that about my Caroline truly before she went off to college. And she is, you know, I would consider a you know, typical student even though she does have some anxiety. But seriously, I don't think we practiced enough before she left the house. You know, I never really thought about that. And it really would have made a lot of sense to do more practicing of just general skills like that. Because when we dropped her off, the first school she went to, now we're on school number three, Allie, <laughs> that the first school that she went to, <laughs> It was a disaster. It was a disaster. Um, and we really could have used this advice three years ago, seriously. But of course, COVID didn't help because she had only been in school for one year and then COVID hit and it was, it was not good, not good. So many students are really struggling right now because of COVID. So I'm sure that you all are doubling down on what you need to do right now for everybody, right? We really are. Um, we started last year um, partnering with the Federation for Children with Special Needs. So they have um, a conference called Visions of Community Conference each spring. Um, it's in March. And we are doing, they used to just have one youth track and now they have two youth tracks. So in yes. addition to as a parent- I'll be speaking at that. <laughs> yes, you can come as a parent. You can listen to Annette speak um, and go to a tons of amazing uh, presentations. It's really an incredible conference. Um, but you can also sign your high school student up and either if they're not looking into college, you, they can go in the self-advocacy track and it's more um, 
you know, focused on self-advocacy and kind of a little more fun and interactive. And then I do the college navigator track. So I work with the students that day and really try and teach them some of the kind of little things that I just explained to you guys about how they can start preparing for college and kind of the differences between high school and college, what's going to be done for them now that's not going to be done for them in college and kind of just what to look for in a college. We really, we really discuss a variety of topics and I've added a part in the registration this year for students to say what they're really hoping to learn so that I can tailor it as much as possible to the group of students that we have and, and what they want to learn. But that's another really great way to, to start preparing your student for college would be to sign them up for that day. Um, oh, really yeah. Woohoo. I love that. You know, I there's always so much going on at that conference, and I've never paid so much attention to the self-advocacy piece, you know, all the different tracks. So I'm going to have to check it out, Allie. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you. And this is so creative of you. What an amazing program that you have pulled together here. Congratulations. Three years and you've pulled it together to serve 100 students. And two of those three years have been the pandemic years. Congratulations. This program is fabulous. And I am so excited to see what happens next in the next three years, truly. So I, I, I'm just amazed. This is, this is so awesome. And anything, anything that treats our young people with the respect and dignity that they deserve and allows them to choose their path, um, it just swells my heart. Truly. And uh, I'm so excited to bring this information out to not just people in our state, but all over the country, because maybe it'll inspire somebody to build a program like this in one of their organizations. Yeah, I think the more we can do to support our students to successfully graduate from college, the better. They just have so many more opportunities um, as far as work-wise goes. And that's really why we started this. I was, before running this program, I was a job developer. So I was working with adults with disabilities to find and maintain employment. And I saw the difference in if they had a college degree and if they didn't and the doors that were open and seeing so many students who had started school and then stopped and really asking them why. Um, and that was really the basis for creating this program. Um, and it's been so successful because I have incredible staff um, that work directly with our students and really incredible supervisors who have supported the program. Um, Easter Seals has, has really thrown their full support behind a brand new program. Um, so I couldn't be more thankful for the team that I'm a part of um, and the opportunities that we've had as a result. Yes, and bravo to DDS, our state, um, our state IDDD organization for getting behind it as well, because they're usually kind of slow moving and not, you know, much for getting in the fast lane on new things, but way to go DDS. And really, we know that the numbers for job placement are dismal for youth with disabilities. So we really need to approach this problem with everything we've got. We've got to throw everything we have at it. So um, education is the key. 
This is just awesome. Awesome. Allie, I couldn't be more excited to be talking to you about this. So I thank you so much for spending time with me this afternoon. Thanks for joining the show. Thank you so much, Annette. I so appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and spread the word about our services. We know there are lots of students out there who could benefit from them and anything I can do to get the word out and have people know that this support exists. And maybe it changes in someone's mind about the whether or not they think their student can go to college. And that's also part of our goal is, you know, maybe you're not sure if your student can go to college because you're worried they won't have enough support. Maybe this is the support they need to to make that jump. Right. Absolutely. So I am going to have in the show notes all of Allie's contact information and some information about the program so that you can check it out for yourself. And if you have some questions or some thoughts, maybe you want to talk to her about starting a program in your state. You can ask her how she did it, why she was so brave. (laughs) So thank you so much again, Allie. I really appreciate it. Um, I look forward to seeing you at the Federation. Thank you so much for that. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.